God, we thank you and praise you for the resurrection of your son, Jesus. Let your word go forth now, we ask, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Alleluia! Christ is risen! We can't say it too many times, can we? It's, um, we just have to keep saying it over and over and over again. What a great long day where we get to say it multiple times. Well, our gospel passage for tonight opens in the in-between time of dawn on that Easter morning. The night is mostly past and the day is coming. The women go, they, I imagine them going sort of um, weighed down, burdened by all that they've seen in the last 36 hours. The last 36 hours, it's three days, but it's three days on the Jewish calendar. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, March, three days, even though it's not 72 hours. But in those 36 hours, those 36 hours contained uh, their worst fears come true. Um, they, uh, the one in whom they had pinned all of their hopes has failed and failed utterly. They experienced that trauma of having watched their Lord, the one that they loved and served and followed, die the death that he died on the cross. They must have been weighed down, burdened, um, burdened with even a sense of utter hopelessness, I think, And there they go. They go to revisit the place where they had seen him laid, um, the tomb where they had buried him only 36 hours before. I imagine it again, dark, so early that it's dark out. And they get there, and Matthew tells us that an angel came down and rolled away the stone. And why would the stone be rolled away? Not so that Jesus could get out because he was already gone. He had already risen. But so that the women could go in and look and examine the place where they had placed him not too long before. The angel rolled away the stone and then he tells them, He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. And the angel tells them, instructs them to go and tell the other disciples, go and tell the men that Jesus is risen. And lo and behold, as they go, they turn to go, and there they see Jesus himself, risen in glory. They recognize him somehow. The other Gospels tell us that Mary Magdalene didn't recognize him at first. But her reaction is the same as what Matthew tells us here about the two Marys, Mary and Mary Magdalene. They fall down at his feet. They grab hold of his feet. He is real and tangible. And they worship him. He is to be worshipped. And then he tells them again, go and tell the men. So they get up. And they, it says that they feel fear and great joy. And they go and they tell the men. It's at this point that I imagine that the bright rays of the sun are just beginning to shine. When they see Jesus, there the daylight has finally dawned. The night is over and the day has come. But I think about that in-between time for them, that time between laying Jesus in the tomb on Friday and coming to the tomb once again on Sunday. It's an in-between time that they experienced. And today, that in-between time for me this year, this Good Friday, between Good Friday and Easter Sunday, I don't know about you, but those 
36 hours are so interesting for me. They're usually um, quiet times, a sad time, and yet that quietness and that sadness is also accompanied by an expectant anticipation because I know what's coming. I've been to Easter Sunday worship. I know how joyful it is. And so in the midst of the sadness of Good Friday, I enter into it fully. I allow it to linger. And and I'll walk through those next 36 hours, as I did this year, expecting, anticipating what will come on Sunday. And this year, I was able to go on a walk and just experience all of the spring green and the flowering trees and the flowers coming up. And they were glimmers of joy, even in the the midst of that um, quiet sadness, the sadness of knowing that Jesus had been laid in the tomb. This in-between time, as we experience it between Good Friday and Easter Sunday, as I experience it throughout my whole life, I think that also relates the in-between time of the first women at the first tomb, the in-between time for us today between Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Both of those in-between times are like the in-between time of the whole of this earthly life. Because the whole of our life lived out now is lived in between the perfection of Eden and the restoration of the new Jerusalem. We find ourselves feeling the effects of this in-between time. We see it in our own hearts, in the way that they are such a frustrating combination of good and definitely not good thoughts and intentions. And we see it in our relationships too, don't we? In our relationships with family and friends and maybe even with our spouse, the way that they can soar with the heights of love in one moment and then descend so quickly, plummet even into a snarl of disagreement. We see it also in the chances and changes that we experience, whether through our vocations, our finances, or our health, those things that are not connected to any moral aspect of our life, but that weigh on us, that inflict suffering upon us. The truth is that all is not right in this world. We see the effects of sin, death, and destruction around us and even within us. Do you know that God, in his mercy, in the Garden of Eden, he, um, following the fall of Adam and Eve, God prevented Adam and Eve. Do you remember there's an angel that prevents them from returning back into the garden? Why? So that they would be prevented from continuing to eat of the tree of life. God could not allow them to live forever in constant rebellion because of the destruction that it would have caused to them and to each other and to all creation. So initially, death was a means in God's hand to limit the scope of sin's destruction. He would not let it get so bad that we would live on eternally as fallen human beings. And we live now in this in-between time where it feels like sin and death still have their sway. But sin and death are painful realities that we experience on a daily basis at times. But the difference is that this in-between time that we live in is not just in-between Eden and the New Jerusalem, but it's also an in-between time between 
that moment in human history, that moment of the empty, empty tomb, that moment when Jesus was raised from the dead, that is our past as Christians and our future as Christians rests on that mountain that Isaiah talks about in Isaiah 25. Our future has a real moment when all those who believe in Jesus will be raised to new and eternal life. And so though we labor and struggle and mourn in this life, we do not mourn as those without hope. We have a hope that Mary and Mary Magdalene didn't yet know about when they mourned the loss of Jesus during those first 36 hours. They had buried all their hopes that God would intervene, but we know that God has intervened. And yet for them, it must have felt as though all of creation itself was dead because in that moment, God, our creator himself, had died. For those 36 hours, Jesus was dead. God was dead. Tell that to Nietzsche. Because you see, long before Jesus was born, Isaiah, again in Isaiah 25, he prophesied. He prophesied and he said that one day God would swallow up death forever. One day God would swallow up death forever. But as Jesus lay dead in the tomb, it would seem that death had swallowed God. In Jesus, God himself has submitted to death. He took upon himself the consequences for the fall of Adam and Eve in Eden. God did not exact upon them and upon us a punishment that he is not willing to undergo himself. Indeed, in obedience to the Father's will, knowing what it would take to bring a rebellious people back into fellowship with, with a holy God, Jesus went to the cross. And when Jesus died, our reproach and reproach of the fall was laid on him. And in that moment, it's almost as though God himself has inhaled death. God swallows death. He takes it into his very self. And so I think of those 36 hours of that in-between time between Jesus' death and resurrection as that pause between an inhaled breath and the exhale that is waiting. Because death could not hold Jesus. Death could not hold the Lord of life. His resurrection that was to come would be the final verdict for death. When Jesus rose from the dead, death himself was given a death sentence. And the resurrection of Jesus is his vindication, that well-done, good, and faithful servant from God the Father. The resurrection is God the Father's amen to Jesus' it is finished from the cross. The resurrection is the seal of God's acceptance of Jesus' atoning sacrifice. The resurrection is the Father's response of love to the Son's act of loving self-offering. And not just that. Not only are we justified because Jesus died and was raised, but the resurrection of Jesus is the pledge of our own resurrection at the last day. As Paul says in Romans 
He who raised Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit which dwells in you. We too will rise from the dead never to die again. We will join all those who have gone on before. They will wait for us. Those who believe in him will be there on God's holy mountain, that new Jerusalem that Isaiah talks about, when heaven descends down to earth, and there we will join in the marriage supper of the Lamb with rich food, full of marrow and fat, and wine, well-aged wine, wine on the leaves. That day that Isaiah envisioned at the last is made possible only by Jesus' death. On the mountain of Calvary, God swallowed death when Jesus atoned for our sins and death swallowed him. The verdict upon death was given by the empty tomb. And at the last day, that final nail will be hammered into death's coffin. Where, O death, is thy sting? Where, O grave, is thy victory? This whole earthly life is like that same pause during those 36 hours when Jesus lay dead. This whole earthly life is an in-between time, almost like in-between an inhaled breath and an exhale. We live in expectation and anticipation of what will come. We live fully, and we take in the small joys around us, like the harbingers of an eternal spring that is just across the horizon. And we return here together to tell and hear the old, old story of what God has done for us so that we might remind ourselves and each other of this basis for our hope. And so in the words of Charles Wesley, we too are with Christ. He wrote, Soar we now where Christ has led, following our exalted head. Made like him, like him we rise. Ours the cross, the grave, the skies. Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Alleluia. Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. Alleluia.